Welcome back to the Anatomy of a Trading Card podcast. On the last episode, we spoke with Steve Wozniak, one of the disenfranchised co-founders of Apple, who taught his mutually inexclusive friend, Steve Jobs, how to do laundry. On this penultimate episode of Anatomy of a Trading Card, we travel back to Chicago, back to Comiskey Park, which is tragically no longer with us today. There, in 1974, an unsuspecting young woman applied for a job as a custodian, never knowing how quickly it would demoralize her spirits and change her life forever. Named for superfluous team owner Charles Comiskey, the park was one of your classic, run-of-the-mill baseball stadiums, a place where you could sit in non-corrective wooden chairs, chomp down on a $10 hot dog, and get beer spilled on you by the man sitting behind you, all in the name of America's pastime. But don't worry about what's going on behind you, worry about what's going on on the old diamond. After all, the stands are someone else's problem. In the 1970s, they were the problem of Allegra Goodbye Gulch. Allegra was the fastest custodian Comiskey Park had ever seen. She could be mopping up a beer spill on the third base line, and be there in right field to sweep up a dozen peanut shells in six minutes flat. Seriously, they timed her. I was just trying to get by, you know. My little sister had just dropped out of school to start a full-time professional kickball league. My parents invested everything they had in it. And then she took off to Panama with the money. Never heard from her again. It was up to me to pick up the pieces. Coincidentally, I had to pick up some peanut pieces along the way. But things soon soured at Comiskey Park for Allegra. And when it was discovered that she had devised an intricate set of underground tunnels to navigate the stadium more easily, her reputation was tarnished. Furthermore, it was discovered that the tunnels allowed her to move in three minutes. Yes, it's true. And I've admitted to this a lot. I went slower on purpose. I had bookies on the inside who set the over-under at five minutes. And I threw the time trial. I went six on purpose. And I bet myself to lose. Guess that seems like a pattern now. Having been banned from Comiskey for her actions, Allegra received the nickname Goodbye, not for what she said to her legions of fans and family members when they all came to bid her goodbye as she moved to Los Angeles, but rather for the song that was written about her in a Chicago hamlet during the 1970s. Goodbye Allegra, we hate you forever. Hired at the only stadium with morals lower than Comiskey's, Allegra took a job at Angel Stadium, then known as Anaheim Stadium. There, players were known for the opportunities they received to start their lives over and rebuild. The same was true for custodians, but first, a message from our sponsors. Have you been enjoying Anatomy of a Trading Card? Try the other sports podcasts on the audio network. Give a listen to Mark Bellhorn's Bellhorns. He rings bells, toots horns, and finds the joy in every other noisemaker he comes across. Or try out Bolt of Energy, a morning wake-up talk show hosted by Usain Bolt that will make your commutes fly by. The Audio Network. We host podcasts. Now, back to Allegra. Yeah, I worked at the Anaheim Stadium. Turns out, when you have one thing on your resume, it's kind of hard to get jobs in other fields. Especially when that one job ended so disgracefully that a song was written about you that still sometimes airs on the radio. Goodbye, Allegra, we hate you forever. 
So, did you just work ball games then? No, the whole stadium was a multi-purpose facility, so they called me in for all sorts of things. I worked concerts, I worked charity events, I did the works. I was their best employee after all. They needed me. Sure, it made me jaded, and sure, it made me wonder how I could be alive when I never asked to be bored in the first place. But it paid the bills. And for the first time, my bills were my own. You didn't need to support your family anymore? Oh god, no. They practically drove me out of town. My dad wrote that song. Goodbye, Allegra. We hate you forever. Wow, that's tough. I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to dredge up old memories. I was just curious about Picture Day. Picture Day? Why did you say so? I worked Picture Day. Of course, I only got to work it once. I had the 77 season. They never asked me back. They didn't? Nah, I think they knew my mind was elsewhere. You see, I love fruits. Like the food? Yeah, like the food. Apples, bananas, pineapples. I know what fruits are. Right, well, well, it just seemed like you didn't know they were foods. It's just like... Right, right yeah. Any, anyway, I was studying to be a fruit scientist. I had these big dreams of making hybrid fruits and planting trees. Basically, I wanted to revolutionize the food industry. Make that entire food pyramid just one block. Fruits, baby. And this made you bad at picture day? See, that's the thing. The day before picture day, my boss pulled me aside and told me he needed me to do him a favor. He said that the Dodgers, Angels, White Sox, Cubs, Pirates, and Phillies would be having their pictures taken the next day and that he needed me to run to the local sports store. Seacrest Parlor and get one cap for each player. Asked him why they weren't just bringing their own caps and he said that the MLB didn't have it in the budget for their season. I told him it would be no problem, but here's the thing. As I was driving, I happened to glance down at my watch, and I saw it was five minutes to six. And this was a problem because... Because everyone knows that grocers put out the best fruits at seven o'clock. So I turned right around, and I drove to the supermarket instead, and I waited for about 45 minutes. Finally, I saw the grocer come out and rearrange their displays and put out some super ripe bananas and some absolutely choice oranges. I snatched them all up and I went back to the sports store. They had the right caps for everyone, so I knew I made the right decision. I was happy to be with my fruits. I kept thinking about them being in the car. I was just so excited to go back to the car and be in the car with my fruits again. It wasn't even that warm out, just perfect for fruit snuggling. So what was the problem then? I didn't even know there was a problem until the next day. I got to the clubhouse and started setting up all the caps for the players. And then I saw it. Every cap was the right size except for one. What size was it? 4XL. I didn't even know hats could be 4XL. The rest were all one size fits all. I didn't know how they could have possibly fucked up. But that's all there was to it. I drove back to the store, but they were all out of White Sox hats. I'm surprised they even had 30 White Sox hats to begin with. Right? Ugh, I know. Anyway, one player's hat was just way too big. Whichever White Sox player showed up last would be drawing the short straw without even realizing it. I felt bad about it, but I didn't want to be fired. Anytime a White Sox player showed up, I'd just stare them down and make sure they didn't take the big hat. Enough time went by and only one hat was left. I waited about an hour and no one showed up. I figured I was in the clear, so I went to the parking lot, pulled out a grapevine, and just started chewing. So you never knew who wore the hat? Oh, I knew who wore it. It was Brian Downing. Thank you for listening to episode three of Anatomy of a Trading Card. 
We hope we've painted a picture for you about Los Angeles in 1977 and the people in Brian Downing's orbit during that time. We also hope we've provided you some cozy comfort during the always superfluous days of May. We're all looking to settle down, unwind, and listen to some podcasts, and we're so glad you chose us. Be sure to stay tuned to the audio network to hear a woman with 12 kids preach religion at people from Lansing, and we'll see you next time.